Think about the last time you were a student. However you define that term, whether you took a soft skills course as an employee, or managerial training, or back to your college days. You probably remember the lessons you learned, you probably remember the experiences that resonated with you, you probably remember the friends that you made. If you're much cooler than me, you probably remember being invited to parties. The one thing you might not be thinking about, though, or might not even remember on the other side, is how absolutely stressful that experience was. You know, trying to learn something new and struggling with not knowing and visualizing a world on the other side and asking for help, finding those moments where things aren't a great fit, all of those things are a lot to carry and that's a lot of stress that is on your shoulders. There are a lot of reasons why a student might fall off track in their journey, especially in a world that's as rapidly changing as the one we live in today. Which brings us to the question being asked by educators, how do we keep our students on the path to success? The answer comes in the same form it always has, which is knowing your students. And the great thing is that when we talk about digital transformation, that ability to get to know your students might be easier than ever. This is Transformation at Work, a podcast that looks beyond the buzzwords at real stories of digital transformation and Salesforce success. The show is brought to you by Jarrett, a summit-level Salesforce consulting and implementation partner and solutions provider. I am Jeff Stormer, your host as always. And on this episode, we are talking about how to build and deepen relationships with students through digital tools such as Salesforce and how we as educators can digitally transform our organization to better keep students on track to succeed. Our guest is April Bolwage, Jarrett's practice lead for education. April's been around education for her entire life. Her whole family are teachers, her grandmother is a Catholic school principal. She's been living and breathing teaching as long as she can remember. It's that passion that brought her into the world of international education, and from there she brings over 20 years of experience to her role at Jarrett. She's seen firsthand how digital tools can make it easier to build connections with students and help them thrive, and that is exactly the kind of insight we wanted to bring onto this episode. We kick things off with an overview of really the specific kinds of factors that can lead to students at any level of education falling off track. Yeah, I think when you think about what will keep a student on track, it's knowing what that track looks like. So a lot of times for students, you have an idea of what your process might look like. You have an idea of what your next couple of years might be or the month, whatever the length of your program might be, depending on what you're pursuing. But you may not be certain or clear about what those requirements are. So a lot of times, you know, administrators know in the back of their mind, they have it somewhere documented somewhere, but maybe not in a systemic way that students can feel like I understand where my progress is. I understand what point I am in my journey. I understand what those requirements are. And a lot of times if they are available, they're not accessible. They're not, it's not an intuitive way that says this is your next step in the process. So, so much of it, what administrators can do in organizations as a whole is to really understand what that journey should look like for students and then find out what those requirements and call them out to put someone on a path for success and knowing which point you're in. Have I, you know, have I made it past the first stage in my, in my process? Yay, I'm on the next one. I'm ready to go. And I see what's ahead of me. So I can plan that out and I can be responsible as a student, but then also as an institution, I can go and say, Hey, you know, is the student on track? Are they, are they aligned for success? Are they going to meet their goals? Are they close to it? And then what data points can I look at to ensure that I'm following them properly? And then most importantly, that I'm communicating that with them, that I can relate it to them in a way that's consumable to them, that's not overwhelming. Mm -hmm. 
especially in some larger programs, some longer terms. There's so many details for students to, to process, especially in an uncertain time coming out of the pandemic with everything in terms of student mental health and the amount of details and the stress on them to, to make some of these, these jumps into different program types and even rethinking where they are in their career or their life. And, you know, maybe their goals have changed and they, they need a really clear path. They need clear, clearly defined requirements easy to access and intuitive in a way that keeps them engaged and keeps them on, on that track. That's now been clearly defined for them. And, you know, the other half of having a clearly defined path and you kind of gestured to this a little bit is that when, when circumstances change, such as when the pandemic makes the entire world change overnight, you, if you have that clearly defined journey path, you can point to a student and say, okay, here's where you're headed. Here's how the circumstances have changed, but here's how we can keep you on that path. And as students face unexpected challenges, again, such as the pandemic, you find opportunities to say, okay, like, I know that your situation has changed. I know maybe your goals has changed your priorities, but here's what we can do to keep you on that path towards success. And yet, I mean, just, just to follow up on that a tiny bit, you know, so much of the pandemic, and you heard it everywhere in grocery stores, everywhere you went, these uncertain times and these mm-hmm. uncertain times, it's unprecedented. Give them something that's certain. Give them something they can latch onto and follow. And that's what everyone's looking for, a little sense of security and a little idea of what's next and a a certainty and a a finite, this is what my next step is, not this uncertainty anymore, not this not knowing, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to go ahead and just try and and be okay with that. People aren't okay with that anymore. They need something that's stable. And especially when you're making a big investment in your future, put them, give them something that's certain, give them something they can follow and they can latch onto. That's, there's so much uncertainty already there that like is exacerbated by, like you said, these uncertain times, which as a former writer is a phrase that I wrote about 10 trillion times, <laughs> any opportunity for institutions to give that certainty to their students is an incredibly powerful thing. Exactly. Which brings us nicely to our next question, which is what steps should administrators be taking? What sources of data should they be studying to spot potential issues, to spot students falling off track, to spot students straying from that path of certainty before those issues become an issue? That's a really good question. And what's interesting about it is there's two ways to look at it. There's the academic side and there are the social factors. So most people go into, oh, you keep an eye on their GPA. Are they going to class? The usual suspects in education, right? How are they performing in class? But in reality, there's so many other things that are going on that are more discreet, that are social factors. When you think about, are they engaging with their advisors? Have they met with other students? Are they involved in the student community? What do we know about their family? What do we know about the support system that they may have? What do we know about their overall mental health and what decisions led them to our to, our, to the program that they're in? What can we do with those things that may not be as upfront as a number behind a GPA? What's behind all that? And if there are ways for institutions, depending on their student life cycle, the lead time between when they enroll and when they start, the length of their program, what factors are most important to them, that's where you can start to identify, okay, let's say I'm going into a university program, I have someone who's been planning this for a year, I need to know a lot of things about them and keep them engaged up front to get them into the program. But I also need to know a lot of different things about them when they start. Are they a student athlete? Are they on sort of a scholarship? Do they have a very specialized degree program? Are they undecided? What do I know about them and how can I make that Make those things that are, again, outside the classroom, but are important to their degree and their success in that degree, important. How can I call those things out? And then you have other people who are signing up for an online program. 
They might be taking something online. Maybe it's just some sub supplemental tutoring, understanding why they're taking that. Are they upskilling? Do they have a change in their career? What can you note about them? What can you know about them as a person that's going to affect their ability to be successful in your program? And so many times, as I mentioned, it's those usual suspects of numbers and classes and grades when there's all these things in the background that if a student is not comfortable and they don't feel like they're part of a community and they're not participating as part of that community, you're less likely to keep them engaged and keep them on a path for success. April's got a really good point here, and I'd like to bring it home with a personal anecdote, if I may. When I was a kid, I was bad at math. I did terrible in all of my math classes growing up. It was the one subject I really, really struggled with. I mean, aside from gym, but who's counting? Math classes were my mortal enemy. And if you, like a lot of teachers did through middle school, high school, college, into adulthood, looked at my grades, my transcripts, the kind of data that was actively being aggregated when I was in school in the year 2000, anyway, you would say, well, Jeff isn't a great fit for math. He's really not going to excel in mathematical pursuits. There's a reason that I ended up becoming a writer and then a podcaster. But to bring it back to April's point, there were a few teachers over the years who spotted the fact that, hey... This kid, you know, he's playing a lot of board games, he's playing a lot of war games and video games, and he's playing Dungeons and Dragons every weekend. This is a kid that's doing a lot of math, just in non-traditional contexts. And those were the teachers that helped me connect with mathematical concepts, and in some cases, those are the reason that I passed those classes. Now again, when I was in school, there really weren't ways to track and collect and distribute that data unless you were an individual teacher paying particularly close attention, and I am extremely grateful to the ones that were. But now I want you to think about how much easier it is with Salesforce to aggregate that data on students, their passion, their skills, their drives, their hobbies, the things that, that keep them getting up in the morning, and be able to distribute that among educators and among every level of your organization to give that many more opportunities to say, hey, here's what we're teaching. Here's how we can connect it to you as a student, whether that's a student in an employee education program, a study abroad program, high school, college, whatever. Digital transformation, putting aside all of the business speak, is giving more opportunities for educators to connect with students because when you make those real connections, that is when students succeed, and that is a beautiful thing. Now, when we talk about making data accessible, there's a question that naturally follows, which is, well, how do we do that? How do administrators centralize and aggregate data in such a way that educators can use that to spot potential student issues before they happen? Let's throw it over to April for her thoughts. There's a lot of talk about single source of truth, right? So everyone's like, oh, you need a single source of truth. And that's hard, depending on your institution, to have one single source of truth. But the reality of it is you don't need all that data to be in one place. You don't need a single location of truth. You just need all that good information to be somewhere that's accessible. And I think that's where it gets challenging, especially for larger institutions or those that may have even, you know, some smaller schools or some other institutions that have less, let's say, less lead time for their program or less lengthy studies. They also have data in a bunch of different places. It could be because of the programs are run in different locations. It could be a, a matter of access. The most important thing is identifying the data that is important and understanding where it is housed and how you can get at it. 
And when you have a solution where like a Salesforce, where you can go in and you can connect a lot of data from different sources through APIs, because it's made to do that, it makes your life a lot easier. So as you're beginning to think about transformation, you're thinking about what's important, you can start getting some of that data out and you can phase things in. You can make it more of a staged journey into adopting a new technology or adopting new processes. You don't have to do everything all at once, but you have to let it all talk together because if you don't have that data to analyze, it makes it very difficult to understand what you're working with. Everything becomes anecdotal. We had situations in my previous life where we had an idea of what our student demographic was. Oh, our students are 18 to 25. They're always from these countries and this is how they operate. When we actually were able to get at some of the data, when we put some of these strategies in place to really dig in and get to the data, the truth is our students were a lot older than we had recalled. Their goals were a bit different because they were a bit older. So having that in mind and knowing that made it easier for us to relate to them and then explain to them how we can make them successful in the goals that we know that they have because they've identified that. And the great thing, and I'll go back to admissions again, you can ask a student anything you want on an application and make that required. So you can start gathering all this information from them very early on so you can understand how to relate to them and why. And then once you know that, you then you can put them back on that ideal path, right? You know your student population the best. You know based on the information you've collected from them on that application, in addition to their program of study, what else are they interested in? How can I build something that's important to them? How can I make this accessible? You can start surveying them. You can start getting their feedback in ways. And that data can all be in a place or in multiple places, as long as you can access it, you can pull it up to a higher level and really start understanding who your students are today and not who they were five years ago or 10 years ago or someone remembered. You you hit the nail on the head. It is so easy to think about it in terms of we have to do this all at once. We have to transform the entire infrastructure. If we're bringing in Salesforce, we've got to, you know, uplift the foundation, put everything in place like we're, we're replacing the house. Like you said, it does not have to be all at once. And frankly, sometimes it's even better to say we're taking a little piece of this. We're going to change it. We're going to transform it. We're going to see how that works. We're going to reap the success from that. We're going to, you know, it's going to benefit the organization. And then we're going to build it out from there. You're getting employee investment. You're getting you're getting those benefits. It is such a persistent misconception about the idea of digital transformation on the whole is this idea that, well, if we're doing this, it's going to require doing everything all at once. And that's just not the way that really anyone makes a meaningful change. Like the amount of times that you've made a change of, well, I'm going to change everything right now versus the amount of times you're like, I'm going to change this thing. It's going to go well. And then I'm going to move on to this, that, and the other. That's where real meaningful change happens in any area, whether it's a business, a personal life or anything in between. Absolutely. And the first the first thing I heard that was meaningful to me and that the, an analogy that worked was it's like you have to you're changing the tires while the car is still moving. Yeah, absolutely. You can't, Perfect. You can't afford to stop. There is no park and stop because you're an, you're an organization. You have schools, you have current students, you have future students to consider. How do I keep this thing moving while I'm making the repairs that I need and I'm making some improvements that I can? So for sure, it's absolutely something that resonates with people when you say it doesn't have to be, you're not throwing out everything. It's, it's finding the best things about you, about your institution and what's important. And then how do we make them even better in the next, in our next iteration of ourselves? Absolutely. And to your, to your other point about uh, student applications and, and getting that data from students, there are tremendous opportunities to beyond just identifying at-risk students, right? Like obviously there's the the data we can collect to say uh, these students are in danger of falling off track. They are in danger of, of falling short of things. We want to help them get over the finish line. There's also opportunities that like centralizing data and leveraging Salesforce can help administrators deepen relationships and help those students succeed. Can you talk about a few of those situations and give a few examples? 
Sure. I mean, I think one thing, you know, we talk a lot about there's so much there's so much weight put on academics, which, of course, it would be for, for education, but it's understanding what's important to the students academically. So that's a, that's a part of it. Right. So we want to know what kind of courses they're interested in. We want to know what kind of activities and groups are going to be involved in and what their professional goals are going to be. How do we position them for success to be in their future, to see themselves in their future state? Because transformation is happening for the students, right? Like they're living this every day. They're going through this and they're feeling all the steps you've put in place to help put them on a path to success. And then once we know about what's important to them and we feel like they're, yeah, they're excited about their future. They see themselves being successful. They see this investment meaning something and coming out of it in a positive way. Then you're like, okay, great. I see my path. This was the right choice for me. Now I feel comfortable enough and I have my roots are grounded enough that I can start being more active and some things on campus. Then you have someone, if we're looking at a university or even in some of the shorter term programs, you're creating a sense of community. And once you have that sense of community, you have a better chance to leverage that information on what's keeping students on campus, what's keeping them in, in these clubs, on virtual learning. How are we engaging students creating this community? And at that point, then, man, you gave me as a student a path for success. You built a community for me. I want to share this with other people. I want to go out and I want to tell the story of what I had, that I came out of pandemic uncertain about my future. I invested in this. It was clear to me what my path was. Sure, there are going to be some bumps in the road on one side or the other, right? It could be from the school. It could be from the student. But either way, knowing that there's a support and there's this inclusion of students in this community is going to lead them to be more active and more, more likely to become in the alumni program, have word of mouth referrals, come back themselves, right? They could find themselves five years later, two years later, anywhere saying, I really want to, I really want to top this off. You know, I really, my, my current role is a little bit different than I thought. Let me take a quick certificate course. If there's anything out there on the model that they can possibly do or any potential to bring others to that, they are more likely to do that just because they have such a positive outcome. And guess what? Especially if I'm in a university setting and I can become part of that alumni community, that's another opportunity for that institution to stay, con con stay connected with me, but then also for me to stay connected with that and support and also recommend people, word of mouth referrals. All these things, the ideas of returners and, and referrals are super important because having a, having a customer, having a student, you know, if we're, if we're looking at business terms, right, your student is your customer, but having that return or having someone come back, someone who's loyal to your brand, which is what, what an organization is. It is what is their message, what is important to them. We are loyal to that because I've had this great positive experience. And that really goes back to building out your journey map, right? Like it is easy for an educational organization to say, well, here's our journey map. It begins when a student enters the program and it ends when a student exits the program. And while all of that is important, there really are so many opportunities for the deepening of relationships, like you said, well after a student has moved on. And if your journey map only includes the time when they're actually in the program and doesn't factor in how your organization can continue to support students after they've left your program, that's leaving off a ton of valuable opportunities and really critical parts of the relationship building process and leaving out the potential for returns and referrals and legacies and all of these other things that continue to allow the business to continue to offer benefits to students on and on on an ongoing basis. Absolutely. And in my previous role, there was nothing. I mean, I'm dating myself by how this could be possible, but um, there, I was never happier to receive than I was to receive an application from a, from a child of a former student. 
that this is someone who, and we were in international education, this is someone who may have only come for a couple months back when they were 18, 20, but they were sending their child in the future because they had such a life-changing experience in that program that even after the changes in the world and how things have gone internationally, they still remember, man, or this is where I met my wife, or this is where I had this great time and I want my child to do. There's nothing more touching to see that, to have someone send their child back to an institution. And I'm sure in colleges, the same as well, right? When you have legacy students, what that means to an institution. And like that is at its core, what we're what we're chasing after in education, right? Like it is easy to think about it in sort of like businessy terms, but the reality of education, and I think this kind of goes back to where we started the interview, is you know working in education is working for for students to give a student a profound experience that is going to help shape the rest of their lives. You know, you can never fully free employees from processes and workflows and emails and approvals and all the other little stuff that makes our job work. But digital transformation at its heart is about saying to employees, about saying to people, you love this work. You're passionate about this work. You got into this career for a reason. Let's help you do as much of this work as possible to help as many students as possible. Or as April puts it. Nobody gets into education to run reports all day. Nobody gets into education to have to fill a bunch of paperwork. Sure, that's the nature of the beast. But nobody says, you know, gosh, I really want to go into this so I can be in a back office somewhere and I can be passing reports back and forth and analyzing data. What people get into education for to help students or to help them be successful. And that's what digital transformation can do. Like you said, the jargony side of it. The truth of the matter is. There's the student experience and then there's the employee experience and what that can mean, what that can mean for an organization. You know, there's so much uncertainty of, oh, you hear digital transformation and you hear about, oh, well, I'm going to lose my job. The, the, the computers are going to take everything over. No, they're not. Let the computers do what they do and let people do what they need to do and only they can do, which is reach out to a student, which is speak to them, which is connect with them. Sure, you'll have all this data to keep all this great information about them and who their family is and what their goals were. But you're going to remember those anecdotal stories when you talk to them and you're going to have this personal connection with them that will be profound. And as as someone who's come from a family of teachers, I cannot tell you how many times we've run into people at a grocery store that my mother remembers from a bajillion years ago and knows about that student because they didn't have the pressure back then of teaching and having to do all this paperwork and and a lot of this that's been put in place right now. So having that time back to really connect and and the why you entered education in the first place is what's going to be the most profound for an organization. Everybody wants their students to be successful. But if you have a great team, if your team feels like they're supported, that they have the tools they need to do their job, those students are going to have a heck of a lot better experience because your staff is going to be happy. They're going to have the time for that soft touch, those extra, that extra smile that they can go for the students. And then if you put that on top of what we talked about before, how you, you find a student who's at risk and they're off track. Sure. Thank you. Thank you, computer, for telling me that. Now let me go be a human and let me go help that student based on what the computers have told me that they can't do. Sure, they can send an automated email to remind them of an appointment, but it'll be a heck of a lot different than when I call them. And I say, you know what? I see you're falling behind. You know, I have some time. Why don't you come by? Because you know what? Now I have time because I'm not doing a thousand reports and a lot of manual swivel chairing between two different or three different systems. Right. It's making you better at your job, right? It's it's giving you that ability to, to deepen that relationship and to say, great, I'm not worried about the paperwork and the, the filing and all these other things. Like I'm worried about, I'm worried about this kid or this student or this, this, this person that is trying to learn and find their path. I'm worried about helping them get to a place where they're really succeeding and thriving. And like, that is an incredibly impactful thing is giving people the ability back to do that job to the best of their ability. 
Absolutely. And of all of, of my experience in education, the stories I go back to are not that great report that I was able to pull together after 10 hours of working on it. It's that awesome conversation with a student I had that was that was scared about traveling to the U.S. or that I was able to give them information or I was able to speak to a parent. Those are things that pop out, not the administrative stuff that nobody wants to talk about, let, let alone use as a, as a case study as to why they're in education. Putting Again, putting aside the buzzwords, like when we talk about successful digital transformation in education, what does that success look like on the ground for real businesses giving students these opportunities to succeed? Sure. I, th- I think the first place to look at easily is, is the recruitment funnel, right? If you think about upfront. So most institutions, when they're facing this sort of a challenge of, I need to revisit what my what my student journey looks like, I need to revisit how our systems support that, you always start with recruitment. How do I get more students? And a lot of times what we're seeing in the recruitment piece is how are we deepening the engagement from the onset? It's how are we connecting with students from the first time we've interacted with them, capturing as much information we can about them to make that experience unique to them. And again, so we have this personal touch. So I know all this information about the students. So so many people will, will start with the recruitment funnel because I need to get more students. And then if you go to the next phase, okay, what does that look like in terms of the admission process and the application? And again, it's getting more information on the student. It's saying, okay, cool, you've been accepted to our program. Here are the next steps. It's building the loyalty. And I think a lot of what we're seeing now in some of the case studies that are coming out is how are we building loyalty and how are we gamifying this for people, right? So depending on your demographic of student, badging, getting them through a process, people are using that sort of technology as well to make it a fun experience. You know, nobody wants a checklist of a thousand documents you have to submit, but I'm super happy to get a badge to say I completed the admissions portion of my journey. You know, I'm super excited to get some notifications saying you did it, you made it to the next phase. So what we're seeing is people making the process more engaging so that the administrative side of it is kind of hidden. You don't feel like you're you're supplying all this information. It just it's it's it comes out naturally. And there are, people are also using other ways to collect data and softer ways and surveys in online portals and ways to collect information or chats. They're using that to then broaden the information they have on a student in a softer kind of way. So I think if, if I had to make a broader statement, it's, it's not feeling the way that things have changed technologically. It's just making a very natural, seamless process of, it doesn't feel like I'm being interviewed. It doesn't feel like you're collecting information. It's, you've made this very personal. And most people, most schools, especially with all the challenges facing the recruitment piece of education and the fierce competition that's out there to grab students, it's what is gonna make us different. And that's what it is. It's making that process engaging and fun and having the student feel like they're part of it. Because then on the next step of the journey, when the student's admitted, if, if the admissions process, which can be a beast, depending on the, on the type of program, if that was fun, imagine what I'm going to have. If that was easy and clear to me, imagine what the next steps are going to look like. And there is so much uncertainty in admissions, right? Like at its core, asking for admission into an educational program, whether that's managerial training, skills training, a college, a study abroad program, is saying, I want to learn this. I don't know how, and I need help. And asking for help is a scary, scary thing, no matter how old you are, no matter who you are, no matter what you're working on, it is scary to ask for help. And so if we can make that first step, that asking for admission into the program, if we can make that process seamless, then by the time the student is done, They are taking that second step and they feel confident and they feel in control and they feel empowered. And really, at the end of the day, isn't that what we're after in education is giving students, again, regardless of age, regardless of location, regardless of program, 
giving students the runway they need to take off and fly towards success. Absolutely. And I think one key opportunity that we're seeing in many of the case studies with the different types of organizations, it's how are we leveraging this bit of chaos in coming out of the pandemic? How can we take some of the roadblocks that we've created for ourselves over the years and built up and remove them? Because now we have a chance to, now we have a chance to revisit what our student uh, journey looks like. We have a chance to revisit the recruitment process. And let's take some of this, this time to transform, not only digitally, but socially on campus. What are we doing? What historical things can we take out of our process that make it a lot easier? Because we've just been doing it that way because we've always done it that way. It's a chance for people to start over and to transform not only the systems that they use, but the processes and, and to revisit some of the protocols they have in place, some of the policies that may not even be relevant anymore. So it allows people to start over and kind of get out of their own way and say, you know what, what's the journey? How are we going to make students successful? Let's cut right to that. And then we'll work backwards. Then let's work backwards from the good. Let's work backwards from the goal. And then we'll put the steps in place. The goal in education is to help students. And if you want to help students succeed, you need to know them, their likes, their dislikes, their skills, their struggles, their passions, their hobbies, all of this data that is well outside the realm of grades and transcripts. By digitalizing data and embracing transformation, what you're really doing is getting rid of obstacles and helping administrators and educators get to know their students, and by doing so, helping them keep those students on track for success. This has been Transformation at Work. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you again to April Bolwage for an absolutely incredible conversation. Transformation at Work is, as always, produced by Jaren in collaboration with Salesforce. I am Jeff Stormer, your host and producer. Until next time, thank you so much for listening, and we hope that we'll see you again real soon.